Hello there, listener. Yes, you specifically. You should know that sometimes, due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode descriptions for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this podcast is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content, so if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement, because we are going down with these ships. Oh, the cannon-based world is frightful, but the ships are all delightful. We stand where we used to squig, so we picked you some fun festive it doesn't show signs of stopping. We can hear your jaws all dropping. So excited we're almost sick to be reading some fan-written fig. When Tamari just hit so right, we both knew this would go down a storm. So just buckle up and sit tight. We've got some gold to perform. By the end of this, we'll be crying. And we're useless at goodbying, but we know that you'll love this, so please enjoy our surprise Christmas show. Welcome back to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. I'm Nathan. And I'm Megs. And this week we are not doing travel. (laughs) 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 Um, As you can probably tell. Um, we only, let's see here, maybe past three episodes have put in edits saying that no, Drevel will be next. And now once again, we are here to tell you that Drevel will be next and we are not lying this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't think we were lying before. I do want to put out no. a little disclaimer. Like every time we've said it, we believed we were telling you the truth. But then something happened to throw a spanner in the works. However, instead of doing Drevel this week, we feel we've got something potentially even better for you definitely something a little different for some Mm -hmm. festive cheer uh i am all about it this week megs do you want to do you want to tell the listeners what's up all right so (laughs) we realized as we were recording because we record well ahead of time so we're planning our episodes and i was like why aren't we doing anything like holiday focused and that's when i got to thinking i was like oh Wouldn't it be cool if we asked people to submit stories that we could read that had like winter holiday, you know, themes, and then we would just do this long episode of a bunch of fic. And that's what we're doing. So we reached out to people in our discord um, and other places. People voluntarily submitted their work to us for us to read. So this is just going to be a wonderful compilation of creations by you all celebrating the fandom and everybody and various ships and things and it's just gonna be it's just gonna be so much fun lots of fluff very wholesome for the most part but hey what's you know what's cozier than the holidays exactly i'm so excited about this episode because we actually get to read stuff to each other and Mm -hmm. one of the caveats about this format is i'm going to be reading half and you're going to be reading half and the stuff Mm -hmm. that i'm reading to you you haven't read and the stuff that you're reading to me i haven't read so we as hosts are completely going in blind to our Mm -hmm. counterpart sections and i'm so excited about it because i can't wait it's gonna get it's it's just gonna be so much fun i love the holidays anyway it's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. times of year 
This is just going to be a real treat for me, and I hope it's as enjoyable for you to listen to as it will be fun for me to make. Oh, yes. And we're not sure how long this is going to be because we have quite a few. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, we, we, we requested. <laughs> so the funny thing is, I did request under 1K stories, and uh, probably a good three quarters of them are under 1K, but then we have like three long, longer ones, so we'll see how far it gets. But um, but yeah, no, it should be. I'm I'm so excited about this. This will be a lot of fun because I mean we've done what we did the one the heal me which was the Ao3 thing, uh-huh. and then we did the Good Evening Prime Minister. But so this will be the first time since us just doing Podfic for fun on our own to be reading fic like this. So this is this is definitely super new for this. And obviously, let us know if you liked this. Like if this was fun for you. If we did you know things like this more often. I'm sure we're gonna have a great time I can't wait for obviously us just being silly and commentary and reactions (laughs) and this is just gonna be all around a great time so I'm so excited oh and uh, by the way before we get to it we should just say as well didn't you just release the full thick exchange collection as well yes yes so in the um so another thing in our public discord we hosted a uh, fall fic exchange which everyone obviously put in requests for various characters that they loved and it was open for the person to combine whatever ship that they wanted to of those characters as well as following some of their likes and as far as tropes and things so we have a pretty substantial collection of people who participated and it's just a vast array of very different things from fluff to obviously smut and wild pairings from you know cross-gen to you know canon and all of that nonsense and so definitely go check those out because that's also like a prime example of what care of magical shippers is and the family that we've created and it's just i was so proud of what everyone made and how much fun it was to do so yeah that recently got released um i think on the couple days ago i think they were due on the 15th and then i don't remember when i released them but <laughs> they should be out. there if you, if, you, yeah, if you go check they'll they'll be there uh, yes. we we know what we're doing we are professionals yes. yeah we totally do <laughs> Oh, okay. So do we want to get started since we have a lot to read? Yeah, yes, we do. Um, I'm very excited and you're going first. So I get to I am going first. Yes. Yes. So of course, to start, I figured that it made sense that I would read one of mine because I'm like, just to start out, like um, I started writing in October of last year. So some of the first stuff I did were like advent fic or like holiday daily prompt things. So I did a couple little short ones. So I picked one of my, what was it? It was like a snolidays or I, what was it? It was, it was, I think it was a prompt. Something mistletoe from somewhere. I'm not <laughs> sure. So this is a snary. So Harry and Severus. Ooh. And it's rated T. Go on. It's, it's relatively <laughs> fluffy. So it's a, a whopping 514 words. So it's a nice travel wow. action. <laughs> humongous. Humongous. It's so big. And, uh... <laughs> Isn't that what Harry's supposed to say I in these situations? That's what I was going to say. Is that what Harry said? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So the title is called Under the Mistletoe. Uh-huh. And the summary is 
Harry lures Severus under the mistletoe. Oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> I can't believe I get to commentate as you read. And I can't believe I'm going to read this because I don't think I've read it since I've written it however long ago. And we'll see. Oh, what, exciting. We'll see what I made like as a baby fan fiction writer <laughs> in comparison to the stuff that I write now. Uh, I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure it'll be great. So, okay, here we go. Potter, what are you doing? What? Severus shifted his eyes up at the raven-haired man. Take that down immediately. Harry had not so inconspicuously placed a small cluster of mistletoe above Severus's office door. Why? Do you know how many people frequent my office, faculty and students? Harry considered a moment. Well, we can't have that, can we? He smirked. Come and help me then. I can't quite reach it. Severus rolled his eyes. Are you a wizard or not? Yes! <laughs> I don't have my wand at the moment. As Severus oh, reached okay. for his own. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah he did. Reach for that one, Sammy. <laughs> As Severus reached for his own, Harry got there first. Oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Potter. <laughs> He's so impetuous. He is so. He knows what he wants. He's going straight for. I love this, Harry. Continue, Potter. Enough of this foolishness. How simple his life had been before Harry Potter, though far less interesting. He had to give him that. Harry gave him a mischievous smirk. Help me out here. It will only take a moment. Severus massaged his temples as he glared at the man. Ugh. Fine. Severus pushed back his chair, stomping toward the door. As he expected, Harry grabbed his wrist before he could even lift it above his shoulders. It would be a shame for it to go to waste. <laughs> Harry looked up at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just, it isn't just the dialogue, it's how you're reading it. This delivery is everything it'll be a shame for it to go to waste, go to waste. hey 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 i'm into this I'm into yeah this. i'm gathering i'm gathering that yeah oh <laughs> harry looked up at him emerald eyes sparkling of course the power he held over severus with just one look potter i come now sev Professor potter then he teased harry laughed wrapping his arms around severus's slight waist you really are impossible, you know that? Severus let out a soft sigh. Against all sense and reason, impossibly in love. <laughs> oh. Ah. Uh, Harry smiled brightly, then quirked up an eyebrow. So who's the bloke? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, Harry. <laughs> Severus hissed trying to break free from Harry's embrace, but the man held firm. I'm teasing. I'm sure Professor Binns would be flattered. <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm the one that's impossible, spat Severus, yanking a tuft of Harry's unruly hair. Ah, that hurt, said Harry, rubbing his head. Severus slid a single finger along Harry's jaw before lifting his chin. Merely a taste of what awaits you if, if you behave. <laughs> uh, never been my strong suit, now has it, smirked Harry, pulling Severus closer. He slid a hand up the nape of Severus's neck, lacing his fingers into his long hair. Severus shivered. I love you, Sev. 
Severus kissed him, not the passionate collision of tongues and teeth, but sweet and gentle. Harry's fingers grasped Severus's hair as he deepened this kiss. I was waiting for it. I was hoping that we'd have kisses that would deepen and my wish. They have to be deep kisses. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, they don't have to start off like a passionate collision of teeth. But then No, they don't. But then they have to there has to be a um a depth conveyed there. And, yes, and absolutely. The, and the way to do that is to appropriately deepen the kiss. And as we <laughs> as we established in episode one, you have to slide yeah. right down into the gullet. Into the gullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Where the heck was I? The potions master pulled back. Disappointment flickered in Harry's eyes. I love you too. He kissed Harry's nose and he grabbed the mistletoe. I think I have a better place for this. Class starts in 12 minutes. You mustn't be late. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. <laughs> 12 minutes, exactly. <laughs> he's, hey, he's Severus. Harry let out an exasperated groan. I can keep track of my own schedule. Thank you very much. Severus gave him a knowing look. So I'm a bit lax in the structure department. Better be the cool professor than the most despised of the entire staff. Ooh. That hurts, Potter. It's taken years for me to earn such an honor. Now get. He tapped Harry on the ass as he pushed him <laughs> past the threshold. I'll see you later then, yeah? Asked Harry. Always. Oh. The end. <laughs> oh my god, what a way. What a way to introduce this episode. To ease us in. <laughs> To what's to what's going to happen today? What's to come? I mm-hmm. what's to well I was I wasn't going to say what's to come for obvious reasons, but you've done it now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's coming next? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, wow! Oh. Well, wow! That was that was fun. That was that was really cute. Actually, completely forgot about yeah. that one. And and it yeah. wouldn't be you without a little salutatory ass tap. On the way out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely love the, the ass tap. It has to. It has to happen. Um, yep. Uh, I, I was very happy with that. I was happy with the deepening of the kiss. I was happy with the... You got the mention of the unruly hair in there. And Snape wasn't mm-hmm. greasy, which I was happy about. No greasy. No greasy Snape. Nope. Yep. All, it, it ticked all my boxes. I was very, very, very happy with that. And it, yes. it gives me the perfect opportunity to bat back with a Astoria Greengrass slash Luna Lovegood for you. Ooh, that's a new pairing. It is. Not one that I've come across very often. And no. this is, it's a, it's a really short uh, piece. The, it's titled uh, Beautiful the Rose That In Your Garden Is, which sounds much more beautiful in the original German. Um, it, I know it sounds a little bit like back to front in English, but it comes mm. from uh, a German hymn. And so that's where that, that title is lifted from. For, for the full notes, we'll be linking all the fix in the description. Yeah. So you, the listener, can go and, and see all the notes and stuff for additional materials but i don't think there's any sort of synopsis it just starts it is by uh, porcelain salt also known as blue dreaming ah yes it's blue yeah Awesome. Yeah. I would normally do my Luna accent, but I don't think I'm going to do it for this because it's too sweet and I, I don't want to seem like I'm taking the piss. So uh-huh. uh, so I'm just going to do it normally, I think. Perfect. 
Long day, Luna asks, taking a sip from her cup. Astoria watches from where she's nestled into her favourite armchair, bare toes curled beneath the softness of the crocheted blanket. Luna's hair shimmers golden in the flickering light of the flames. Astoria blinks and sighs. Scorpius asked for three bedtime stories. She loves her son, but sometimes she'd love him a little bit more if he went to sleep earlier. Mood. Relatable. <laughs> Absolutely relatable. <laughs> and then there's, there's a character mentioned here. I don't know if they're canon or not, but this next sentence made me smile. I tried to ask if it would be okay for Maggie to read the last one, but he was adamant. <laughs> there's, there's a Maggie <laughs> in this story. Oh, it might have been a house elf. Was it house elf maybe? Does it sound like a house elf name? Could be. It could be a house elf name as well, yeah. Astoria smiles despite herself, glancing up as Luna's soft laughter spills into the room. Meg is a little too pragmatic for stories, Luna explains. Scorpius does have a point. She takes another sip, smiling. And I suppose that Draco was out? Now it's Astoria's turn to laugh, shaking her head. <laughs> he is completely hopeless. She says, I even told him point blank that Harry fancies him, but he still refuses to believe it's anything but wishful thinking. Aww. And yet, they're on their third date this week. Luna's smile is warm. The firelight is golden on her cheek. Astoria doesn't even bother pretending, just gets up to squeeze in next to Luna. The armchair is plenty roomy enough, and she leans in to press a soft kiss to Luna's cheek. We, on the other hand, know exactly what we want. Astoria says, laughing as she curls into Luna's side. Ooh. Oh, that reminds me, Luna says, shifting from her seat and disrupting Astoria's position. Astoria sighs. She'd just gotten comfortable too. What is it? She asks, curious. Luna hums. She's out of sight around the corner, but returns a moment later, holding a single blue rose. A gift, she says, pressing it to Astoria with a smile. Astoria sits up. Reaching for the flower, when her fingers touch the stem, they tingle with magic. She takes a breath. Thank you, she says. Sometimes Astoria forgets that Luna, for all her unique opinions and free nature, still comes from a pure-blood background. Are you... She starts, but stopping before she can finish the thought. Of course, Luna is sure. And she's sure too. Yes, of course. Astoria says, pulling Luna down into the armchair, laughing as their legs tangle. Luna tucks her face into Astoria's hair, and Astoria barely has a chance to save the blue rose from being crushed, setting it on the side table before Luna's wrapping herself around her. I love you, Luna murmurs. You're the best. Astoria's heart is beating warm in her chest, echoing the beat of her heart pressed against her. She reaches up to thread her fingers through Luna's hair, holding her close. I love you forever, she murmurs back. Let's get married in the spring. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my it's so oh, fluffy! It's, it's, it is. It's so fluffy! It's so fluffy, <laughs> it's like pure gold. My face is red. Oh my gosh, my cheeks hurt. Okay. Oh my god, this is just oh god, so cute. Okay, okay, I'm I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Luna hums and Astoria settles further into the armchair with a sigh, fingers grazing the wood of the wand tucked into her pocket as she turns on the wireless in the corner. And then there's a there's an excerpt as though from a song, but I do not know the tune, so I won't sing it, but I will read it for you. It's uh, okay. Lo, how a rose air blooming from tender stem hath sprung. And then, so the last little bit is, 
Luna shifts, breaking the moment's mood by laughing, but as Astoria meets her smiling gaze, she doesn't mind in the slightest. Oh my gosh, that was so cute. Wasn't that just the fluffiest oh. thing? Oh gosh, I hurt. My entire read. body hurts so bad. I'm going to have to go to a dentist after <laughs> this one. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was gorgeous. Oh, and I, of course, I love that there was the background dreary. <laughs> of course, there was. <laughs> yeah, because I'm guessing that obviously it was, you know, it must have been like former like Drastoria and then either they're you know I'd I'd like to think it's like oh then they realize their queerness and then you know she falls for Luna and then Definitely. Draco's just always been into Harry that's just obvious so <laughs> that was so lovely it was so like it was so sweet and everything was so uh tenderly described there was you know mm -hmm. the story itself was the the sort of the intimacy of the relationship between them but then there was so much implied in the backstory like you said it was just a beautiful moment that somebody captured yeah. and I really I really appreciated that it was a joy to read yeah you. oh that was so nice yeah and we'll have to whatever I don't know that I recognize the song but if we figure out what the song is we'll definitely probably link it as well as add it to our you know growing playlist on Spotify <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> there's a lot of like songs at least I mean a cup I would I say a lot but there are a lot of these that have a song featured in it or reference yeah. which I think is really cute Cute. So I don't know. I guess it's kind of a, a holiday theme. I mean, you think of, exactly. I mean, yeah, you think of just winter cozy times and listening to music and all of that. And well, that was oh, that was extremely sweet. Okay, and let's see. Oh, and I have more fluff for you. Nice. <laughs> I think good. we have a lot of fluff. We, we have a we lot do. We have a lot of fluff today. It's going to be good though. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, okay, so this one's rated T. And it's Draco and Harry, so I'm excited about that. And it's like a romantic fluff, getting together uh, style fic. And it's 769 words. And the title is Some Love Was Made for the Lights by Wheezy Cat. Ooh. And the summary is it's snowing in London and Draco builds a blanket fort. Of course he does. I, I yes. imagine he'd build like a blanket palace. You know, of course he'd be that extra. Let's see what the story does. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, the title comes from Slow It Down by the Lumineers. And okay, so here we go. The world outside had become that pristine color of endless white, pearl gray skies fading imperceptibly into the horizon as flutters of snow drifted to gather as powder laid fresh on the ground. A sense of calm, quiet servitude came over the town of London, scarcely a noise breaking through the windows of Grimald Place as Harry adjusted his perch against the windowsill, forehead meeting glass, breath fogging the opaque panes. Wow, so atmospheric. I know, I know. It's very gorgeous. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of this in here, and it's just, oh my gosh, Wheezy Cat just, the, these are words that I cannot do, and I commend you for being able to do all these words. It's so pretty. It's poetic. Oh. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah. It is. Soft sounds emerged, a faint rustling of fabric, before Draco's voice drew his eyes back to the couch behind him. Harry turned, taking in his ruffled downing hair, pink wrinkled cheeks and bleary eyes. A faint smile brushed his lips, a sharp tugging of want stretching in his heart. Still snowing, Harry nodded, wordlessly motioning a hot cup of tea held under the stasis into Draco's palms. 
Harry was filled with anxious anticipation that Draco had gotten stuck there the night before, both staying up late sipping fire whiskey while poring over their latest case. So absorbed they were that they hadn't noticed the snowstorm bearing down on them and had only realized when the wireless playing quietly in the background rang with an announcement that the flu network was being shut down due to safety concerns, the ministry advising people to avoid apparating and to shelter in place. Draco had just caught his eye, shrugged, and then poured them each another glass. Oh, oh, it's so cozy. I just I I, I feel like I'm falling into this story and you you read it so beautifully. <laughs> Walls down and vulnerable, Harry had finally noticed over the years that Draco was soft in a way that was entirely unexpected. He was quiet, articulate, and actually quite funny if you were close enough to him to crack the surface. <laughs> and Harry cherished the fact that he was close to him now. So much so that he was stuck frozen on the parapet of his heart spilling over, fearing Draco's retreat back to icy indifference, or worse, casual antipathy. So Harry took comfort in the intimacy he could, accepting that this, as fragile and shattering as it was at times, was better than nothing at all. He glanced up from where he had been staring into his mug to find Draco draping blankets across the furniture in the room, finding books and other miscellaneous objects to hold the corners taut. Happy with his work, Draco's lips turned up in a sweet, secret smile before throwing pillows beneath his contraption and kneeling. He crawled carefully underneath the makeshift door, a milky white hand darting out to grab his tea before disappearing again. <laughs> Harry watched dumbfounded from his post by the chilled window, taking a sip of his own mug. Draco's head popped out from beneath the fortress, <laughs> tilting an <in> invitation <laughs> the fortress before vanishing. Slipping to his knees, Harry clambered over awkwardly. Okay, I'm picturing, like, like I think of, like, he's, like, on his knees and, like, shuffling across the, like, across the room <laughs> with his tea, like, <laughs> <laughs> You'd have I'm to like, be. He's, he's to his knees clambering. I'm just, it's a visual. I just... <laughs> this Harry has to be very coordinated. He's not. Oh, yes. He, he isn't clumsy in the slightest. And I mean, I suppose he's a, he's a seeker, so he, he has to be nimble. But I think we yeah. always sort of think of him as a bit doofy and awkward and klutzy. Yeah. You know, he's mm-hmm. spilling his pumpkin juice. He's being. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's spitting just, on himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's just being. He's a Harry. little tonksy. He's but, a little tonksy. Exactly. Yeah. But this <laughs> Harry is very, like, in, this Harry. He's clearly a dancer in his spare time. Yeah. Because he's just tw- <laughs> twirling around with the tea. Just being yes. like, don't worry, yes. Draco, darling. Tea is on yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, slipping to his knees, Harry clambered over awkwardly, one hand balancing the hot liquid until he collapsed beneath the blankets, twisting himself in- onto the mound of pillows cushioning the wooden floors. And there was Draco, ethereal beneath a string of conjured lights, brushing against him shoulder to thigh, smiling at him wide with childlike delight. What do you think? Draco's breath was light against his cheekbones, his warmth beside him providing an effusing bone-deep flare. Harry turned his face towards him, eyes raking over those features that he had come to know and love so well, gaze hesitating slightly over his lips. He finally wrenched his eyes up, meeting that familiar silver directly. Beautiful, a whispered confirmation, confession wrapped in honesty, slipping out before he could help himself. 
Never one to do things by half. <laughs> Harry left his tea to sit at his side, bringing his warmed fingertips to cup Draco's face. He paused to judge for any sign of hesitation, but was met only by the sight of bright eyes and flushed cheeks. He leaned forward slowly, breathing in cedar and citrus, the faintest hint of Earl Grey, and something deeper that was best defined as purely Draco. Their lips met softly, a barely there brushing of skin against skin, chased in its acknowledgement that this was something delicate to be held between them, like finely spun glass. Everything beyond their bubble was muted and colorless, but here was a prismatic bloom, unfurling t towards a newly lit path of endless Sunday mornings and kitchens dusted in flour and hands tracing silently, meandering mindlessly as they mapped inches of skin. Oh, Whoa! Wow. This, wow. this is not a this Woo! is this is not a short story. This is a performance <laughs> poem and I am about it. This person is all about simile, alliteration, on mm -hmm. genre, and getting atmosphere. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I am yes, the poet in me is very sated right now. And author, <laughs> I am thank you very much for this dazzlingly beautiful Christmas present. It's gorgeous. I, yeah. <laughs> Harry pulled back slightly, leaving scarcely a centimeter between them, breathing lowly. I wasn't sure. Draco's hand lifted up, a mirror of his own vulnerability, fingertips trailing lightly across his stubbled cheek. He huffed a quiet laugh, eyes glossy in slight disbelief. I've always known it was you, Harry. I just was waiting for you to catch up. The end. Oh my goodness. Because I was wondering how it, how it was going to resolve. Because the start of the story, mm -hmm. there's all of that stuff about Harry sort of uh, moodily looking out the window at the snow. And he's worried because like Draco's been aloof and distant. And he doesn't know if mm -hmm. it's going to slide back into antipathy again. And then I was just like, but is it going to end happily? Like what's going to happen here? And just the author left us to that last moment before we did. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I, I feel so happy right now. That that was exquisite. Exquisite. It's thank gorgeous. You. Yeah. It's gorgeous. My cheeks are going to, I'm going to want to rip my cheeks off by the end of this. It's just, <laughs> there's just so much fluff. My chest is tight. My cheeks hurt. Oh, that was absolutely darling. Happy oh, so holidays. Cute. Megs wants mm -hmm. to disfigure her own face. That's a very holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and if you follow the link to this fic, actually someone drew art accompanying it. So it's the two boys kissing in the blanket court. And actually... it's super adorable. Yes, it's super cute. Oh, yeah, my by, goodness. By Babushk Art, I think. Yeah, it's super cute. So definitely check that out. Amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well... <laughs> But we're going from the sublime to the ridiculous now because I have, <laughs> Yay! I have uh, something amazing to read to you. So this is a creation by the wonderful Juliana from Puffcast, uh, mm. and Juliana mm -hmm. Juliana sent us a fic that she wrote specifically for us to read for this, mm -hmm. and the pairing. I'm very happy to tell you about this pairing. It's squoast. So, for those of you, for those of you who do not know what squoast is, squoast is a, it's the giant squid slash a piece of toast, and and 
This pairing originates <laughs> from a wonderful episode of Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them. We will link that episode in the description if you haven't already heard it. But that pairing comes from a fic that somebody else wrote uh, about that. But what Juliana has done is taken that wonderful idea and made it holiday appropriate. I, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I cannot wait to read this to you. It is so good. Okay. It it was such a thing for me to be like, I I was like, I need to gift this to Nathan. Nathan needs to be the one to be able to read this. So I was like, I was like, I'll be the big person here and I'll let Nathan read it. Just because I think it'd be so much fun. I'm just, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I am so happy to get to read this to you. So because we were sent it and it's not on AO3 um, at the time of recording or anything, there's no mm -hmm. summary. It's just the fix. So I'm just going to get straight into it. He had heard that there would be a Yule Ball this year. The students were excited, and every day, through the ripping tides, the giant squid heard students gossiping about who would be there, ironing what outfits they'd wear, and by Merlin's beard, making sure they didn't wear the same thing as someone else, because that would be tragic. The squid... <laughs> <laughs> very fashion conscious okay it, it, it's fashion forward and i i applaud that sentiment especially you know for a fancy occasion like a ball anyway the squid agreed that it would be tragic to wear the same thing as someone else and he also agreed that he wanted to look just as fabulous as everyone else at the party but <laughs> as a giant squid one's attire options do tend to be limited but the squid would make it work after many days of trying on every piece of kelp, seaweed, and fish droppings he could find. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> what? Okay. Juli Juliana is a creative genius. And I... I <laughs> just, just, the squid is just surfing the lake, trying to find, like, little bits of fish excrement to be like, hmm, I wonder if this would look good as an accessory. A little brooch, maybe? <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, oh, my goodness. The squid had nearly given the white flag to finding the perfect Yule Ball outfit and was ready to just stay home to watch some lake flicks instead. But he couldn't disappoint his date. Seven weeks ago, he'd been minding his own business, listening in on another student complaining about the amount of homework Snape gave them and how Professor Flitwick always seemed to smell like a fresh-picked daisy. Apparently, Flitwick smells like Daisy. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> when the squid's dream date floated up to him and butted him up so he would go to the Yule Ball with them, the squid would have said yes anyway, so this extra flattery was just extra butter on the bread. <laughs> Be before Squid knew it, the day of the Yule Ball had come and he was still without the most fabulous piece of fishian to wear. He would just have to tell his date to go without him. No need to risk embarrassing his crush. Mm. As the clock struck seven with a loud clang, Squid could hear the students start to trek their way past the lake to the special heated outdoor white wedding style tent that had been set up directly next to the Forbidden Forest, brackets for ambience, specifically for the event. 
He knew this was when his date would be arriving, and when he'd have to break the bad news to them and send them off to the ball alone. Then, out of the corner of his eye, Squid saw a glimmer. It couldn't be. It just couldn't be. <laughs> but it was. From one knot away, he could see the most perfect, the most square, the most spongy piece of perfectly golden brown toast floating towards him. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Juliana. Sometimes there's just so much genius here that I it overloads my brain. And I... Okay, the, so the, the toast is floating towards him. But instead of the normal, brackets but still lovely, plain butter toast normally wore, she was wearing the most mesmerising sheer layers of festive green and red jam. I'm I'm a little worried about green jam, but we'll 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 float straight past that. <laughs> well, there's mint jelly. Not that it goes well with like strawberry or anything like that, but you know. Do you know what? Yeah. Maybe it tastes delicious to giant squids. Who, Who knows? knows? Toast. Yes. The, the important thing is that toast looked regal, royal, and oh so sexy. The second squid locked eyes with toast. <laughs> so now I'm picturing toast with eyeballs. <laughs> Little googly eyes, yes. Literally glued, yes. <laughs> glued on the toast. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh the second squid-locked eyes with toast. He knew he couldn't say no to an evening with this amazing being. But in that same moment, Squid also knew how to solve the problem of having nothing to wear. With the intimate care, Squid lovingly gripped Toast by her sides and pulled her porous body closer to his own. In one swift movement, Squid carefully placed Toast right atop his head. Toast left off a glorious glimmer as the sun from above the water touched her fancy jams. Squid! <laughs> fancy jams! <laughs> That's such a Julianaism. Mm -hmm. Fancy jams. I, just, I mean, I, there's just so many things that it's like I can hear in her voice. I mean, if that's not saying something, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Exactly, exactly. Squid had never been happier and the couple had never looked better because you always look best when you're spending time with the ones you love. Squid and Toast slinked out of the lake to the tent where they danced the night away. The end. For now. Oh my god! That was cracky, but that was like cracky made like wholesome as heck. Like that was adorable. It was, oh my goodness. That is how I mean Juliana gave us peak Hufflepuff in that fic. I am so mm -hmm. I'm so happy about it. It was everything that I wanted from a squost pairing. And getting to share it with you was just incredible. I yes. love this so much. Oh, oh, thank you so much, Juliana. That was so wonderful. <laughs> Okay, so now what I have next to read actually is it's really unique. It's a bonus chapter from a, like written for this, but it's a bonus chapter to a longer fic called Dumbledore's Army and the Summer of 98, which is set at like uh, the summer, obviously after the Battle of Hogwarts and how everyone handles, you know, like healing and growth after that. Okay. And so this one, it's a bonus chapter, but uh, the author said that it wouldn't, you know, read it and be confused on what was going on. There are some original characters from the story that are in here, just to let you know. Okay. But it is a just a fluffy, cute little Christmas fic. 
and I can't wait to read it. So yeah, it was, it's written by Angelique, who's also um, Summer of 98 Novel on Twitter. So she has her own like webpage. So we'll link to that. This is kind of like her baby that she's been working on for, for a while now. So I'm really excited that she gave this to us to read. So, da, 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 da. so I'd imagine, I, I mean, I'd say it's rated G, like it's general audiences, but it's, you know, fluffy something. Okay, so we're at... Ottery St. Catchpole, Devon, England, on Monday, December 21st, 1998. Chaos descended upon the borough. Arthur Weasley, bundled in sweaters and scarves, was happily tinkering in his shed when he heard shouts and whoops and saw a streak of long red hair whipping by the window. Ginny had arrived. He had hurried outside to find Ginny and Charlie racing their brooms at breakneck speed while throwing a quaffle between them. Then Harry appeared out of nowhere and looped around them like a blurry whirlwind as they flew. This couldn't possibly be safe. Arthur drew his wand, ready to cushion a fall, only to be blinded by silvery Patroni that whipped around him in a sparkly tornado. Arthur staggered in the center of Seamus and Serena's last top-volume Patronus war until the fox and snakes streaked away. <laughs> Steadying himself, Arthur made for the house, from which he could hear a cauldron filled with hot, strong love. Yes, he could! <laughs> and crashes, and Molly's Merlin's pants wand at the ready. He ran through the... <laughs> He's just waving his wand around. He's just ready to use his wand for whatever reason. As literally... I mean, as it said, chaos is in He's literally whipping his wand out for anything. <laughs> You have to wonder where Fred and George got it from. That's where they got it from. I know. <laughs> Wand at the ready, he ran through the kitchen and into the living room, where he found his wife learning a charms gymnastics routine with Ginny's friends, Parvati and Tracy. They were breaking and repairing things in time to the music. <laughs> I would love to do that, well can I just say? I would love this. This just sounds so interesting. Like, I'd love to just smash things and then wave a wand and, oh, time's reversed, it's fine. And just like, crash and whoop and crash and whoop. <laughs> well, mostly breaking, it seemed. He lifted his wand to cast Reparo when, careful, came a shout from outside and a Christmas tree smashed through the window, <laughs> ornaments, lights and all. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, came voices from outside. The tree retreated, the kitchen door opened, and a tall, wobbly green fur shredding needles was guided through the air by Ron and Neville. Ronald Weasley, shouted Molly. Ron feigned defense. Why do you assume it was me, Mum? Fleur wearing an apron and covered in flower hissed. Be careful, you'll get tinsel all over my gallets. Gallets? Is that it? Gallets? Oh. Gallets? Gallets? I, I don't know. What, what's the, what's <laughs> the a, word? <laughs> you'll get tinsel all over my, gal. I'm guessing galets. Like maybe it's like a baked thing. I'm Googling this real quick. So it's like a... A galette? A Does, galette. Is that what it is? So it's like a crepe. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a posh crepe, basically. Yeah, it's a fancy crepe. Okay. <laughs> Learning new things. Okay, I'm guessing it's galets. Skelet, skelet, I don't know. You'll get tinsel all over my fancy crepes. <laughs> <laughs> Molly. My fancy jams. Molly... <laughs> <laughs> fancy jams. <laughs> 
Molly headed toward the kitchen, but Hannah, also in an apron, said, We'll take care of it, Mrs. Weasley. Go on and have fun. Hannah enveloped the tree with a containment spell and followed the boys as they levitated it into the living room, while Arthur scourgified the kitchen floor because his wand is always out and he's always yes. doing things with his wand. Arthur can do magic and he wants the world to know. The charmsnastics music began again and Arthur could hear the ladies in the living room repairing and occasionally re-breaking the window to the beat. <laughs> Just just as just as he had vanished the last needle, there was a clatter in the broom shed and then bangs at poor doors. What the hell is So happening? hold on, hold on. The the whole <laughs> Weasley family have now embraced the Fred and George tradition of exploding and banging the house around them. <laughs> Apparently, because it's Christmas and what do you do when it's the festive season? Apparently you just explode your house. But to the music. Yes, to the music. Harry, Ginny, and Charlie burst in from the garden, red-cheeked and laughing. Turgio, Turgio, cried Fleur impatiently, sucking up the melting snow as they tracked in with her wand. Honestly, can't you? But before Fleur could finish scolding them, Bill, Percy, and George, dressed in work robes, came through the front door with a goblin. The four never paused their animated conversation as they shed cloaks and scarves everywhere. <laughs> No sooner had the front door closed than it banged open again. Parvati's sister Padma rushed to the kitchen fireplace with an Indian boy in tow, transfiguring a blanket as they ran. <laughs> they were both snowy wet and boy's teeth were chattering. Padma threw the blanket around him and said to Hannah, Varun didn't know England would be so cold. As the Quidditch players and the business travelers took over the kitchen table, a cheer rose from the living room. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, cried Molly. <laughs> Arthur quickly went to look and saw Molly floating near the sea. What? What? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, There's so I am so overstimulated right now. Is, oh my gosh. Is this so is this a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory crossover? Like what is going on? I'm I'm very excited to find out. Molly, be careful, he shouted. What's that, Arthur? She turned, waved, and came tumbling down. Before Arthur could draw his wand, she bounced off the floor. Arthur, my dude, your wand is already out. We know this. <laughs> You've just... You never put it away. You, you had no problem <laughs> hoovering up the pine needles, but when it comes to your wife, she can just bounce right off the floor. Because <laughs> like, apparently... Like, Molly Weasley is Aunt Marge in this fit. For the purposes of just being bouncy and generally, like, floating near ceiling for some reason. Oh. She's just... She's she's literally feeling light and airy because it's the it's the festive season or whatever, and the feelings overwhelmed her and propelled her toward the ceiling, is all I can think. Whoops! I'd best be mindful of my knickers, she giggled as she sailed across the room. Parvati slowed Molly's second descent. Don't worry, Mr. Weasley, said Tracy. We always trampolinus maximums the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur spun around again, and the sound of yelling from the kitchen. Dean, Luna, Seamus, and Serena had arrived, and Serena had brought girls Arthur hadn't met before. Ginny shrieked, Stephanie, Nari, and they all shouted and hugged and jumped up and down. Parvati ran over and joined the squealing scrum. 
Arthur was amazed that he could hear anything over screeching, but there was a crack of apparition outside, and a moment later, Hermione raced in, shouting, I did it, Ronald! I won! I won! What she had won, Arthur didn't learn, because all of a sudden, there was a lot of kissing going on. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Hermione, called Arthur. What'd she win? asked Seamus, but Arthur didn't hear the answer because large trays bearing mugs of cocoa floated over the table, and suddenly the clamor got ten times louder. Molly, Tracy, Neville, Hermione, and Ron joined the crowd. How on earth did they all fit in the kitchen? Same. I have no idea. <laughs> it's it's magical. It magically expands to fit. Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah, that's the whole Burroughs thing. Yeah. It just gets bigger, so, as they need it. But as Fleur's treats came out of the oven, and Hannah supplemented the cocoa with tea, and Serena's friends passed around the American-style hot sandwiches, the crowd began to drift off in twos and threes and fours to eat and drink and talk. Charlie, Padma, and Varun, who looked much warmer, ate biscuits and conversed on the living room hearth. Harry and Ginny shared a plate of sandwiches at the game table with Stephanie and Nari, who seemed to be a couple. Seamus, Serena, Percy, and the Goblin, whose name was Garrick, conversed earnestly over mugs of tea by the bookshelves. George, Tracy, Neville, and Hannah sat on the sofa and leafed through a levitating book of famous gardens. Dean, Luna, Ron, Hermione, (laughs) there's so many people! Tell me where they all are! My soul (laughs) won't be complete if I don't know! I know! (laughs) (laughs) Dean, Luna, Ron, Hermione sat on the floor and played a muggle card game, while Bill and Fleur were tucked away in a corner, in their own little world. The voices grew softer and softer, until you could just hear Celestina Warbeck singing at a low volume on the wireless. Arthur grabbed a mug of tea and sat next to Molly on the love seat. Peace descended upon the burrow. Oh. The end. My goodness. <laughs> that was a journey. That was, I got some serious Home Alone vibes from that story. You know, when they're all rushing yes. to the airport and there's that mad panic. It, it's in reverse. Yes. They're all rushing into yes. the house. I loved that. It was so frenetic mm-hmm. and full of energy. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that was an up-tempo number for sure. Yes, it was, de- it felt holiday because of that. It's like you get everyone together and it's just madness and every. Everyone's talking to everyone. It is just poor Arthur. All he was doing was just chilling in his shed, probably messing with some muggle stuff, you know, minding his own business. And all of a sudden, the whole world just explodes. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I'm intrigued now to go and read about these OCs, Varun and Nari and and Mm -hmm. Stephanie. Serena. Serena Serena. is always a fun name, isn't it? I'm so, I'm so, and then Tracy, Mm -hmm. like all the names. Now, it's probably my bias about where I grew up. But, like, all of the names sound really magical. And then we get to Tracy. <laughs> and I'm just like, so, so and so and so and so and so and so. And Tracy. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so glad every story needs a Tracy. I feel, I feel like we, we all know a Tracy. Mm-hmm. It definitely rounded out the narrative for me. <laughs> I do know a Tracy, actually. <laughs> Which Tracy is probably listening to this right now. So. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Happy holidays. <laughs> Oh man, that was a treat. That was glorious. Thank you so oh, much for I, that. I loved that. I really, really loved that sort of Home Alone-esque mm-hmm. fic. That was incredible. Yes. Incredible. It was good to have like two in a row to kind of like have a nice laugh after all the like just 
literally intense fluff that we were just getting drowned in for the first part of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I mean, this next one is fluffy as well, but there are different shades to this, different things that, that colour it. I'm very mm -hmm. excited to share it with you. Uh, it's written by Evening 12, uh, and it's called The Proposal Brackets That Almost Wasn't. Um, it's a Ginny Weasley slash Pansy Parkinson, and the summary goes, everything is planned, she just needs Pansy to cooperate. After all, Ginny can't propose without Pansy there. Oh. So, do you want me to go straight in? Okay. So, of course, Pansy begins in a stereotypically Pansy way. The story just begins with, It's fucking cold. Pansy took a sip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's brilliant. That's wonderful. I love that. Perfect. Isn't it just the most Pansy way to begin a story? Mm-hmm. It's fucking cold. Pansy took a sip of her tea, her hands cradling the mug. Why would I go outside? She shifted on the sofa and tucked her feet under the cushion. Ginny sat on the armchair of the sofa. We didn't take this trip to stay indoors. She placed her hand under Pansy's mug. Can I? Ginny barely felt the heat of the mug. Playing Quidditch had toughened the skin of her hands and she couldn't bother with a manicure. Of course not. Ginny frowned. But I always... I'm not talking about the mug. Of course you can drink from it. Pansy pushed the mug into Ginny's hands. We took this trip so that you could go skiing or whatever it is that you do outside. <laughs> and I could look at the beautiful snowy scenery from inside where it's not fucking cold. Behind Same. Pansy. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Oh, it's, it is a mood. You know when you're done with the weather and you're just like, no, no, can't handle it anymore. I'm like that in the summer, but I can relate to it at any, any time of year. Definitely. Mm. So where it's not fucking cold. Behind Pansy, tall, chilled windows gave out into the woods. It's not that cold. Ginny took a sip of tea. And Slytherin won the house cup. I can feel the chill coming from the windows, and my ankle boots haven't recovered from the snow you made me trudge through when we came here. Thank Merlin, no damage was done. Dragon leather costs more than a pretty galleon. Ginny placed her hand on her thigh, feeling the little box hidden in her pocket. <gasps> Pansy wasn't making this easy. She had been trying for three days now to get Pansy to come outside. But we found ways to... um warm up, didn't we? Ginny stretched her legs and pressed her toes against Pansy's calf. Yes, and we can always do that without freezing first. <laughs> I'm living for Pansy. I mean, this is, this is so, I believe this, like all of this in character, because I totally could see Ginny just being like, oh my gosh, I have this thing planned. I'm trying so hard to like finally convince. <laughs> and Pansy's just like, giving all the reasons why going outside is completely unnecessary and yes. doesn't care yes. about it. Like, that's totally, that's totally me just being like, okay, yeah, we could do that, but, or we could just skip that part and get to the good part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. It doesn't matter about all the meticulous planning you've gone to. I don't care. I care mm -hmm. about my own warmth right now. This is all I am bothered about. That's what matters most. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Who can't relate to that? 
now this is where things get spicy. Woo! Um, <laughs> um, we could use that new toy you wanted. Ginny <gasps> slid. <laughs> Isn't this thing technically rated G? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. But toy. Like, like, I'm clearly just reading too much into this story. This is how my mind works. But we do this podcast. Of course my mind works this way, considering the stuff. Why, is it a top? Is it a yo-yo? Like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Oh great! Okay, okay, okay. I'm here. I'm I'm just reading that sentence in a particularly spicy way because I am me, and that, that, that yes. is yeah. Ginny slid her foot up Pansy's inner thigh. The pink one. I thought it was a gift. You said I had to wait for Christmas. If you come outside with me, we can use our Christmas gift early. Ginny leaned in. Oh my! What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> That toy better be worth it. Pass me my cloak, will you? <laughs> well, <laughs> while Ginny zipped her jacket, Pansy tied her grey cloak, looped her pink scarf around her neck, and slipped on her shoes. Ginny's mum had knitted it as a gift for Pansy a few Christmases ago. It thrilled her to see Pansy wear it. She might not often wear her Weasley jumper, but come winter, Pansy always wore her pink scarf. A gust of wind greeted Ginny as she stepped outside. Snowflakes drifted lazily to cover what little green was peeking from the tree branches. Ginny pulled her wand from her back pocket. Axio Broom. <laughs> Fuck, Ginny, it's not enough that I'm outside in the freezing cold. You want me to go in your broom? A tandem <laughs> broom at that? Ginny gripped her broom as it whizzed by. It'll be worth it, I promise. Patting her pocket to make sure the box was still there, Ginny mounted her broom. Come on. Pansy ran her fingers through her hair before swinging her leg over the broom and wrapping her arms around Ginny's waist. She mm. kissed Ginny's neck. Yeah. Let's see this then. Ginny kicked off the ground. The biting wind rustled her hair and stung her cheeks as it rushed past her. She smiled as she felt Pansy tighten her hold, arms and legs gripping her tightly. She flew high up, weaving between the branches until they were above the trees. This is what I wanted you to see, Ginny said, as she pulled the broom to a stop. The timing was perfect. The sun was just setting, and the shades of the pinks and purples covered the sky. In the middle of it all, the fading yellow hue of sun could still be seen. Ginny swung around so that she faced Pansy, her thighs gripping the broom to steady herself. This view might be worth the freezing cold. Pansy reached out to take Ginny's hand in hers. They sat in silence, holding hands and sharing smiles. This was the time. This was Ginny's moment. Everything mm. was perfect. Ginny could hear her own heartbeat. She took a deep breath, steadying herself. I know that we aren't a conventional couple. We argue and fight and we don't agree on most things. But I love you. I love us. I love the quiet moments where we share everything with each other, where all our differences don't matter anymore. Aww. And then Pansy, Pansy's reply is just the best thing ever. And I, I think this author is in Pansy's mind right now. <laughs> Pansy replies, where are you going with this? I know you love me. Pansy's nose was red. <laughs> 
Pansy's nose was red from the cold, her hair covered in snowflakes. Ginny had never found her more beautiful. I'm saying, will you marry me? The words tumbled out quickly, merging together almost as one. Pansy laughed. The snow fell from her hair as she tilted her head back. You did warn me once that you spoke quickly when you were nervous. And yes, I'll gladly marry you. Ah! <laughs> we're getting married! The breath Ginny didn't know she was holding. Oh no! Oh no! No, it was and not. Then... Was that, is it, that's genuinely in it. Yeah! That is, that is literally in this thing. Arthur, you have done a wonderful thing for us. We've got deepening the kiss. Deepening the kiss happened. We got let out of breath. Didn't know they were holding. Oh my gosh. We're, yeah. this, is, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So not only have we just had the crescendo of we're getting married. It goes into the breath Ginny didn't know she was holding. Rushed out of her lungs all at once as she tugged Pansy towards her. Their knees bumped as Ginny rested her forehead on Pansy's shoulder and huffed a little laugh. The broom tilted a bit from all the movement before Ginny straightened up and steadied the broom in the air. Oh, Ginny reached into her pocket. There's this too. She pulled out the box and opened it. Nestled inside was a golden band with a delicate pearl. I love it, but there's one little problem. Pansy wiggled her gloved fingers. Ginny ah! chuckled before leaning in and pressing her lips to Pansy's. The kiss was cold and warm all at once. How about we get out of the cold so you can put that ring on me? And don't think I've forgotten about your other promise either. And Ginny just replies with, Sounds perfect. <laughs> and that is the end. Oh my goodness. Okay, I this Pansy was amazing. This was absolutely wonderful Wasn't it just incredible i believe this whole thing this whole thing i ship pansy Ginny so hard now that i didn't even know that i could this is absolutely fantastic i loved it so much oh wow i mean th this author did so many beautiful things in submitting this to us and yeah. I'm, I'm just so i'm so happy i got to read this this was an absolute delight i'm just i'm smiling from ear to ear this is everything i wanted from the christmas episode Ugh. i'm so happy right now megs i'm uh, so happy holiday wedding proposal and confessions and uh, everything yes. is just like it, it just makes sense fluff makes so much sense at the holidays and it's oh it's wonderful and of course i'm going to continue with even more like i mean it's fluff it's called the pink prank by dan puff uh, the relationships are Molly and Draco, Molly and the Weasleys, and then it's a Ron slash Draco fic. So it's a drawn, but then it's, you know, uh, Molly-centered. Okay, so, because when you first described it to me, I was like, wait, this is Molly slash Draco? That's way out of left field. Molly <laughs> and Draco. It's the and <laughs> I, sign. <laughs> yeah, but you said the relationships, and my brain went to a place of like, huh, <laughs> I've never considered that before. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay. So it's a platonic gen relationship between Molly and Draco and Molly with the rest of the Weasleys. And then it is a drawn. Nice. Thick. Very, very nice. With apparently some background snary because Dan Puff is Dan Puff. And of course there's background yes. snary. <laughs> yes. I am ready. I'm ready for you to hit me with this. My body is prepared. I am so, yeah. 
Okay. I'm, I'm okay. I'm shutting up now. I'm in no listening problem. mode. So the summary is Molly knits Draco a sweater for Christmas. It almost doesn't go well. Every year since she married, Molly has knitted sweaters for her loved ones. That first Christmas, it was only Arthur. Then, the Christmas after, a tiny sweater for Bill. More and more sweaters, year after year. It's not easy work keeping up with so many people, but it was work Molly, it is work Molly loves. So when on Christmas morning she discovers her twins have ruined one of her sweaters, Molly is devastated. Ron's and Draco's sweaters are meant to match, like all the other couples. Maroon with a gray stripe for Ron, and gray with a maroon stripe for Draco. Only now, Draco's stripe is no longer maroon, but blush pink. Molly doesn't know how they've done it, and it's not something she can fix. Not now. So she bursts into tears while Arthur hastily wraps the sweater. It joins the pile of other plainly wrapped gifts beneath the tree, many as lumpy and well cared for. Arthur cheers her with hot chocolate and warm hugs. And when the whole family is gathered, practically on top of one another in the cramped living room, Arthur unwraps his fist. He kisses her happily, just as he always does. This year, his sweater is red, white. Oh, his first, not fist. Okay, I'm backing up. I was like, fist. What opened his his fist? Okay, we're going back. uh, I'm like, what is in your fist? (laughs) I was anticipating him like. Arthur's getting aggressive. It's be- you know why? It's because his wand isn't in his fist and he can't do magic. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, it's really hard for me to picture like a chill atmosphere after that other fic. <laughs> um, okay. Arthur, let's see here. <laughs> so where, where, blah, 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 blah. Um, and when the whole family is gathered, practically on top of one another in the cramped living room, Arthur unwraps his first. He kisses her happily, just as he always does. This year, his sweater is red, white, and green striped, and he excuses himself to change into it. The twins are blue with their initials in orange, and they pull them over top their pajamas right away. Charlie's is forest green with a red Chinese fireball on the chest. Purple and green stripes for Percy and Neville. Is it Percival? It's gotta be Percival. (gasps) Yeah, background Percy and Neville. Ooh, Percival. Now that is a ship I never considered. And now that you've said it, I can't unsee it. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. Red with gold stars for Hermione and gold with red stars for Ginny. So it's Hermione and Ginny. Oh my God, these pairings are absolutely gorgeous. Black with green trimming for Severus and green with black trimming for Harry. Matching sunshine yellow sweaters for Bill Fleur and baby Victoire. And Molly sniffles when she dresses her granddaughter in hers and remembers dressing Bill in his first sweater. Fleur gives her a watery smile and Bill gives her a hug while Victoire... Victoire? Is that right, Victoire? Yeah, I f- yeah, I feel like it's Victoire. Victoire gurgles sweetly between them. Ron is next. Like the twins, he pulls it on right away and tries not to watch Draco too excitedly. Molly feels her cheeks pinken and her eyes tear up as she wrings her hands. Draco always dresses so smartly and today was no exception. His dark green slacks and white button-up are quite nice, nicer than anything her family will ever own. Handmade sweaters won't be his style, of course, but Molly couldn't bear to leave him out. Certainly not when Ron was so smitten with him. 
Draco is one of them now, even if he keeps his sweater folded neatly at the bottom of a drawer all year long. And the thought of that doesn't quite break her heart, of course not. Long, pale fingers neatly pull apart the brown paper and let it fall to the floor. Molly's stomach swoops unpleasantly when she sees the sweater again, the pretty dove gray with blush pink. Draco stares at it a long moment, then primly says, Thank you. Of course, dear, Molly says, with all the brightness she can muster. Calmly and quietly, Draco stands as he strides out of the room. Molly spins away from the rest of the gathering to hide the tears she can no longer hold back. Her shoulders shake as she gasps in a breath to stop a sob, and in an instant, Arthur is at her side, enfolding her into his arms. There, there, Molly wobbles, Arthur murmurs into her hair. It's only a silly sweater with a silly pink stripe, and Molly is awfully silly to cry over such nonsense. But heavens, Draco is one of her brood now, and she so hoped to please him, however hopeless it was. As mother to so many, Molly sensed the tension behind her. She needn't see the glares or hear the hissed words to know the twins are being reprimanded. Oh, this isn't at all what Molly wanted for Christmas. There's meant to be hugs and laughter and carols and eggnog, not this. Mum, we're sorry, Fred calls out miserably. We were only welcoming Malfoy to the family, George adds. Oh, you boys, Molly fusses tearfully. Arthur shoots the twins a look over her head, then uses the sleeve of his new sweater to dry her eyes. But her eyes water more at the thought of her children and the love they'd found. And she hopes Draco and Severus Aww. and Neville and Hermione and Fleur can keep all of her babies as loved and safe as she is with Arthur. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness. Arthur laughs fondly. Oh, sweetheart. What on earth is going on? demands Draco. Molly sniffs and wipes her face once more before she turns back around. Draco re-enters the room, head held high, wearing his brand new sweater. Ron stands beside him, beaming broadly. Oh, Draco! Molly gasps. Don't you look dashing! Draco preens. Intended or not, it is true. The gray matches his eyes, just as she thought. But the pink complements his fair coloring much better than the dark red. He looks so handsome, Molly nearly doesn't mind that he doesn't match Ron, though she spares a thought for her boy in light pink. Perhaps she'll have a word with the twins later. Thank you. Your eye for color certainly helped, Draco says graciously. Fred and George grin quite smugly, but Ginny slaps them both on the back of their heads to humble them. Oh, come here, dear, Molly says as she extends her arms. Draco is not much of a hugger, so everyone is quite surprised when he flies into Molly's arms. Oh. Everyone except Molly, of course. She's been a mother for over half of her life. She knows when a boy needs a hug. No one needed know how tightly Draco squeezes her, or about the stray tears that drip onto Molly's hair and forehead. Molly rubs his back and kisses his cheek. It will be their little secret. Oh, oh. my goodness! Yeah! Oh, that was so wholesome! Okay, no, but, but a thought that I had been keeping back to myself through this entire fic, which I will now share with you, because <laughs> I, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but the scene that I am missing from this fic 
is the scene where Fred and George conspire to actually turn the jumper pink. Yes. And what mm-hmm. I imagine happening is that moment in Sleeping Beauty where the two good fairies are fighting over yes. to whether to make the cake blue or pink. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that like one of the twins was like wanting to make it blue and the other one pink. And I just, I need, please, that short, small scene. It's unusual for me to make a request for a fic within a fic-centric fic. episode. But that is, that is... <laughs> It's what so true. I need, please. Yeah. Uh, that was that was so good. I, <sighs> you know, I'm gonna. I'll say it again at the end. You know, thank you to everybody that sent us fic because this has literally is making our day. But that was incredible. And just listening to all of this genius, mm-hmm. it's almost too much. It is almost too much. So good. I don't know what to do with all my feelings right now. I know, I, feel very I know. So many feelings. feelings. 